Hello folks and welcome to the inaugural 405 Music Podcast. I'm Kieran and uh, with my colleague Rob Hackinian. Uh, yeah, it's uh, great to get this underway after months of preparation. Uh, and we're, uh, we've... Uh, you mean just like talking about it over a pint, like we should really do a podcast? I mean, I, I, that's uh, sound preparation in my mind. <laughs> this is this this is this is a wishing society. You don't you don't get things through pragmatism. I'm actually quite surprised we've pulled this together. Yeah, th- thanks to Rob for doing all the physical archer. I've just been doing the uh, the more mental the mental toughness, just wearing it out. What he does yeah, he's, you've got notes, which is a lot more work than I've done. I mean, just plugging a box into a computer really isn't that hard. They make it very easy for home podcasters these days. Uh, what what can I say? It's been an absolute scintillating week at work, uh, my uh, my civilian job. Um, so yeah, as the uh, the inaugural podcast, we thought it'd be a good idea just to you know give a general idea of how the structure of the podcast would work over the few well if, as things kick off. Um, give introduce ourselves a bit, and then um, and also because we're about roughly halfway through the year, and because it's the opening one, we'd uh, discuss our favourite music of the year so far and what we think of the. 2017 as uh well as a standard compared to the rest of the decade on music in general um so yeah as uh rob why don't the you big tell questions me? oh well the, yeah that's that if we can go into the proper philosophy we can discuss it in, you know keynesian terms or maybe you know, there's, there's the whole ways we can go okay like you've already yeah. out philosophized me yeah fair um yeah so uh rob t- tell us about yourselves to tell tell the what the uh the thousands of listeners or the gasping to know so this is for the 405 i am reviews editor on the 405 which is their role i've come to after many years of writing many reviews and editing a lot of reviews on other sites like beats per minute and a little bit on consequence of sound but mostly on beats per minute which was my website for a long time that is now i mean you can still go to it but it's not there so now i give all my work to the 405 uh, which is a lovely site and i'm sure you've heard of it because you're hearing this podcast a very important point, a seminal point. You could, uh, you could argue. Uh, yeah, I'm Kieran, uh, originally from Glasgow, and I moved moved to London after I graduated. Uh, yeah, I've been writing for the Four or Five for roughly a, a year now. Um, also, write for a fantastic uh, rock-related website called The Alternative. So, um, shout shout out to Henderson and Pals if uh, if they if they can be bothered listening. And uh, yeah, as um, so I guess just the just um, before we get into discussing music and uh that they quantifiably geeking terms uh i thought it'd be quite cool just to say how we imagine the future podcast will go once we actually understand what the hell we're doing um i was thinking like uh, maybe after like a quick introduction hopefully a bit more uh fluid and less stilted than this one um we'd we'd get into spend about a few, like uh, 20 minutes or so discussing news the latest news the latest albums songs releases if there's any provocative issues and if there's any hot takes out there that we'd like to dispute or think are quite informative or challenging then we'd uh, raise those before we're going on to the topic of the show which might be like a a big issue idea or debate or discussion that just some, something has really taken our eye that week or if there's a re-release or the or it's the anniversary or something huge or it's like a massive festival or you know if if like Jeremy Corbyn goes on to introduce Run the Jewels at Glastonbury, for instance, when we discussed intersectional politics and music. That may be quite interesting. Um, and then for the final sort of section, we do a retrospective where we pick a 
classic album or band or genre from the past and discuss what we think of it and and sort of place it in its contemporary context um and then just a last piece we'd like to uh do like uh just conclude with a few quick recommendations for albums to listen to songs to listen to and if there's any like interesting um think pieces on the 405 site or on music general you know where we are we're a open community then um we'd like to put those out there yeah rob you wanna I'm just excited to start talking and also were you basically saying that Jeremy Corbyn is like the British Bernie Sanders I'm not I'm not saying they are dissimilar I mean <laughs> I think I think parallels have been drawn but uh I feel that I feel opening opening the podcast with such a contentious claim might be might be polarizing for uh prospective listener I doubt it I think we probably poll well I mean, we, Corbyn would poll well amongst our listeners. Yeah, yeah fair enough. That would be my guess. Yeah, I think that's a very fair assumption, given given the, given the, the content uh, the four or five were putting out was putting out on election day. Um, so yeah, Corbyn's an absolute boy, etc. Et yeah, bag of cans with the with the lads with Corbyn. So. I'm uh, I'm impressed by the people who've just got on the bandwagon fast enough to make Corbyn t-shirts. That's a gold mine. I mean, I wish I thought of making some Corbyn t-shirts and just sold them out on the corner. People would be lo- loving it. I've seen so many this last week or two. Well, it's 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 quite fun to have a since America have got a meme as president that's completely antithetical to all our moral, political, social, essentially every thread of values we have. It's nice to have a meme leader in the Labour Party that is the complete opposite of that that we can all get behind especially if it involves cans of fosters in the park from a shopping bag <laughs> that's certainly true well well my, my my biggest issue with Corbyn actually and uh, this is something i wanted to raise so we can actually i think this is a good way to leave it into it so as everyone knows grime for Corbyn was a massive movement that really swept the nation it was huge and uh he also he had an interview with kerrang fantastic love that and he also had an interview with Enemy. Now, my my big issue here is that he completely ignored the acid house movement. He he ignored, you know, the emo movement. He ignored. So he just he he showed up the lad rock vote. He showed up the hard rock vote and and the grim vote. But there was the, the massive like um, demographics that he was he was missing. So I feel like when the second election inevitably happens this autumn, you know he's he's got to learn. I mean, he's got to earn you know sixty seats to win a majority. And I feel really really getting into those uh, those fourth wave emo and maybe some techno techno magazines could could be what tilts it for a Labour majority in the end. What do you think? I think that his people probably have the kinds of stats of uh, what music. Corbyn voters listen to and they probably saw that techno and emo people are enlightened enough already that they didn't have to target them they needed to go for the mainstream indie crowd and the enemy and you know the headbangers in Kerrang and the apathetic people who listen to grime I guess that's a pretty bad way to characterize them but you know it makes my point ah, opening opening the podcast with controversy I like it huh? I don't know why man's calling me family all of a sudden like hmm my mum don't know your mum. Stop telling man you're my cousin. Um. Yeah. So like, uh, shall we? Shall we get? Shall we dive into 2017 as a year? Yeah. I mean, we're already halfway through it in reality. Let's go back. Okay. So, uh, so just like, let's go for open with a big, a big one. What are your favourite albums of 2017 so far? How many can I name? 
shall, shall, shall I have a guess at some of them, or will you just would you want to reel, reel off? Uh, I don't know if guessing it would be good to listen to. Okay, yeah, that's a, that is a, that's a very fair point. All right, reel, reel off away. Uh, so what have we got? I've got. Oh, this is missing. I'm looking at a list I made a few weeks ago, and it, uh, the first thing I notice is that it's missing the Big Thief album, which came out last Friday, a very, which very I absolutely adore. Um, well, maybe it's on here, but lower down than it should be. Anyway, uh, Capacity by Big Thief. Absolutely, everyone should be listening to that. Second album by the Brooklyn band coming out on Saddle Creek. Just really gorgeous folky indie shoegazy a little bit rock i know you're a fan as well right oh ma- massive massive fan uh if we're, if we're gonna do shout outs i know it might not be out to the uh the four or five but um tom over the gold for the plank's got a really good write-up of this album um and uh rob also did a fantastic review of it as well but yeah just that what is it that you enjoyed so much about it do you think i just think that um what's the thing is called oh, i used to name a million times in the in the review and now I can't remember (laughs) but her lyrics are just so beautiful and tender and uh, related to you know really important themes about becoming a woman and what it means to be a human overall and um, the musicianship by the whole band is like it's not reinventing the wheel but it's also really subtly very impressive and just carries along these stories that uh adrienne lenker i think her name is is um singing about and uh, you can tell how personal the songs are and as they say specificity often leads to universality and even though i can't relate to you know having a, a an older brother who was adopted because my mother gave him away when she was 17 um it's just a story that i can really resonate with in a different level about you know those kinds of feelings of what if something different had happened those kinds of feelings and i mean that's a bad example there's loads of great examples on the album what do you like about it well yeah i guess that that, that really sort of translates across the, the emotiveness of our voice in addition to the lyrics and it's and the, the way it just it's 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 a lot harder to harmonize lyrics and sounds that people often give credit for and i think like Big Thief do that so, so well. Like, so much better than the vast majority of everyone else. Um, and it's... You, you look at, like... I think it's... It's, the, it's like, so wonderfully oblique. The, so the way the... Um, it's like a Celtic lullaby in a Nashville aesthetic, the way it works quite well. You're talking about Mary. Yeah, and Mary, yeah. Mary in particular. But like the, the way, like, um, sort of, like... Um, like, Shark and... Um, and it, it's 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 a way. Mary's probably the most um, explicit example of that. But it, it's all it's all thing that flows all the way through it. You know, it's it's so it just washes over you. Well being so meaningful and layered. turn to choose an album okay um, of the year. so one i'm going to choose now uh might be considered quite contentious because i chose it ahead of dam and for the those people who know me those um the two of you listening and that uh 
like I'm one of the biggest Kendrick Lamar fanboys in existence that I worship at the throne of Kenny and so like King Kenny King Kenny sorry sorry that was a committed uh, committed heresy there um, but like, I I don't think Damn is my favourite album of the year so far I think it's Black Origami by Jalen oh my goodness one oddball choice some of you out there might be saying the Michigan is she from Michigan I think so yeah um, really interesting album that Black Origami uh, will you talk about why you like it? So, it's there's, I've got into in the past like six months or so, I've got into a real sort of strain of dance music that focuses on polyrhythms, and by its nature, polyrhythmic dance music is eminently undanceable, and that because it's all these different melodies and beats playing off against each other, then the only natural response dance-wise is to lose control of your motor functions and just like just there's a lot of shoulder movement and everything and it just seems to work it just it just but it's so like beautiful so there's there's elements of techno there's elements of deep house but there's also traces in there of like like jungle music and africana and afrobeat and it just works together and it's like it just changes on a whim like when a sync it's not even it's not even uh like a a time signature it just it changes the song entirely just like that and the, the transition works beautifully and perfectly and it's and i've listened to it every day for the past like three or four weeks and it's it's, it's just blown my mind every time like her, her debut in 2015 was very very strong it was a fantastic album but this this is like just elevated to a different a different level this is gonna she's gonna like start overwhelming festival scene she's going to start touring everywhere and it's well deserved like I, i'm obsessed with the album what do you think yeah it's a really complex and interesting album when i listened to the first album uh what was the first one called black something else uh and then um i was quite bamboozled by it because it really is like an onslaught of uh amazing rhythms and styles that shouldn't really work polyrhythmically and then I don't know I think I was kind of confused so I listened to it a couple of times and thought that's not for me um, but then when this one came around and I heard that Aphex Twin was kind of championing her playing her songs in his set before they'd even been released so I guess they've been in contact with each other which is quite interesting so um, I thought I'll give it a try and you know from the first song it's just you have to be locked in you have to be concentrating but you will get so much out of it it's just multi-dimensional uh unpredictable in the kind of it doesn't sound like apex twin but it hits all the same kind of buttons of like oh i could listen to this a thousand times and i still wouldn't necessarily remember how it goes because it's just so bamboozling and creative uh, one of the first times i listened to it was walking around the tate britain uh and I was just like on my toes the whole time. And I think I saw a lot more of what's in the tape written than I would have done if I hadn't been listening to that, just like <laughs> um, bouncing around a lot. So yeah, it's a really enjoyable and uh, unpredictably great album. Uh, that's quite an interesting comparison with Aphex Twin because um, it's not it doesn't it's not very immediately apparent because Aphex is naturally rooted in that nineties acid house and the techno compared to this is which is a lot more jungle based and a lot, maybe a slightly more avant garde though that's maybe doing a disservice to Aphex and uh, to to Ricky but 
I think it's it's a very apt comparison because it's just this kaleidoscope of different influences, and it's just it defies logic that that works so well, just like with Apex Ten. So that's like yeah, I I, I never I never thought of that, but I just yeah, that's that's a really fair point. Oh, well, what about you? What's your uh, second album? What do you want? Uh, I just uh, wanted to say that even though there's not really any words on the Jalen album, uh, or except for samples, which are few and far between, uh, it's still a really pointed album culturally uh lots of african kind of rhythms involved and some uh kind of protests kind of sounding bits in as mm, well yeah. so it's a really thought-provoking album as well in a lot of ways no uh, yeah completely as the, the, the sampling the, vo- the vocal sampling she uses is so clever but it always just works sonically as well with the rest of the music I want to mention Mount Erie's A Crow Looked at Me, which is probably my favourite of the year. Um, mm. It's heavy. It's a heavy album, of course. I mean, I loved Sauna, his last album from a couple of years ago. Yeah, no, I loved Sauna. I reviewed it for the 405 back then. I gave it nine or nine and a half, and then it was in my top five of that year. And I loved the epic, grandiose scale of that album it's humongous i mean i don't have you heard it and yeah, yeah, songs yeah. like spring which basically sounds like swans it's 13 minutes of noise almost and uh anyway so a crow looked to me comes along and obviously comes with its own story and i actually heard him on wtf with mark Marin mm, the other oh, day yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he got a lot more into the story of his wife's passing through cancer which uh this album is all about dealing with that and uh, also looking after their six, well, four-month-old child. I think she was four months when the wife passed um, and he got a lot more into that story. But even just knowing the bare basics about it, you can listen to the album and hear the poetry and the the outright dejectedness of Phil Elverham. Um, like these moments that he has when he's throwing out his wife's... Uh, clothes or taking his wife's ashes to be scattered or um talking to his daughter who doesn't know any better about what's happened to her mother and and um seeing omens in ravens and talking about running into neighbors at their local supermarket after the event and all these kinds of things and it's just Mm. uh the same as with fig thief you know the specific details are really what makes it uh, really resonate on a deeper level. Um, have you spent much time with it? Not, not enough. Not in a few months, to be honest. Not since I heard it when it first released. Um, it's, to be honest, it's not something I'd like to de- delve back in because it's not. It, you can't like just pick a song from it. You won't have like a favorite song from this album. It's like so experiential that it's like it's quite tough to get. It. I mean, it was. It had an interval with Pitchfork where he freely confessed that it's difficult to categorize as music because it is so directly responsive and reflexive of his experience and as an expression of that and it's it is really tough and it's devastating like i like i purposefully sort of just lay on my bed and spun it when i was um when i was home and yeah it just blew me away but i i I think i i struggle to consider like consider that 
elevated to, to my top music because I don't know if I can like listen to it again and have the same experience as I did the first time. Yeah. Well, in my personal life, I've been through something quite similar to what he went through. So listening to it is very relatable on one level and it's also cathartic as well. And um, the the album kind of helped me through those times in a lot of ways, just knowing that someone else had been through the similar things and had seen you know, meaning in meaningless moments or just had those moments where you suddenly realization hits that, you know, you're not going to see that person again. Um, and I think it melodically as well, I think not just the story and the lyrics, I think it's really, it's simple, it's stripped back. It's not got anything as massive or as loud as he's done in his last few albums. It's very simple. I mean, he recorded it in the room where, she passed away, so obviously he couldn't do anything too big, but that's not the setting that he wanted for these songs. Uh, but they still are really beautiful and catchy, and I can... They've kind of seeped into me now where there maybe there's not really any hooks in any of them, but I, I know certain lines as hooks, so I'll just sing along to certain bits when I hear it, and it's mm. kind of um, catchy in that way. Uh, so if you can stand to spend some time listening to a man grieving <laughs> over his dead wife and dealing with uh, looking after his brand new born child, uh, it's really worth it. And you mentioned the profile he did with Pitchfork, which was a mm. really, really amazing piece of journalism. Uh, who was it? Jason Green, maybe? I think so. Uh, he went to spend some time with Phil Elverham in his house in Washington and helped look after the child for a day and clean up and things because the guy has obviously rushed off his feet with everything going on. And he just um, got really inside the story and it was a really nice piece of journalism. So I'd recommend that. You were probably inside You were probably aching Wanting not to die Your body transformed couldn't bear to look, so I turned my head west Like an early death Now I can only see you on the fridge in lifeless pictures Alright, what's your next album? Um, well, um, I guess like, there's, we might as well stick on this incredibly dark topic and just so we can... Uh, move on to uh, maybe a, a bit more bubbly note, but like another album that blew me away and I found really relatable on the theme of coping with death and grief, which is a which is a subject that last year with Nick Cave's album and Tushi Amori's album, really, it really came to the fore in terms of these intelligent, really emotionally reflexive, meaningful depictions of grief and how to cope with it. And it was really helpful like for me and many other thousands of other people in terms of dealing with that um was well getting into the album at last was that sorority noises you're not as blank as you think and there's so much what i love about that is um i remember the the trailer for the album it filled that blank with alone worthless just all these all these these words that when when you're by yourself, like the inevitably, you're not, your neuroticism inevitably uh, resurfaces that, inevitably brings it back. But in, and essentially with Cameron Busher, it was this is his follow up to his initial, his initial EP about coping with the suicides of his friends, and it's just stunning. I mean, the 
I, I discuss like the intersection of like um of of music and lyrics with uh, Big Thief, and this is a, a very similar. Like the the riffs are very cathartic, but also very melodic. They're mean, they're meaningful. They're textured to what's going on tonally at the moment, and especially songs like No Halo, which I'd argue is one of the easily one of the best songs of the year so far, and one of the best examples of fourth fourth wave emo there is, and um. Oh, that's like the disappeared. The letters song is directly addressed to his friends who've committed suicide. It's, just, it's stunning, and it's something I've revisited quite a lot, especially for such a young guy to experience so much. And and like, oh, it's just it's, it's it's amazing. I gave it a nine for the four or five, and I definitely say that completely justifies that score. Yeah, um, I love it too. It's actually funny that you mention that you're not as blank as you think, trailer. Uh, which I haven't seen, and every time I've looked at the album title and thought what that blank could be, I've always thought of positive things like you're not as cool as you think, you're not as as, as uh, whereas the message is the complete opposite of that. It's like a message of unity and solidarity. Um, I can't I can't believe I completely missed that. Uh, <laughs> I might want to revisit yeah. that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love the letters songs, the letter from Saint Sean and Saint. Julian and I love uh, "Leave the Fan On." That's such a weird, uh, yeah, 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 song. It's quite, it's quite an outlier for their compared to the rest yeah, of them. But it real paints a real picture of squalor that I like in that in that song. Um, have you seen them live? Are they touring? Uh, oh, they toured the um, they played that uh, that funk festival that I can never rem- uh, remember the name of. Funk um, festival, mm, uh, punk festival. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd enjoy them playing a funk festival. That'd be that'd be quite good. But um, I'd 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 really like to see them live. I think they'll they they'll start doing solo shows soon, hopefully. But yeah, that'll be that'll be quite good. When your best friend dies and your next friend dies and your best friend friend takes his life. Spend six months on your own Cause there's no one left to talk to So yeah, your your third album, what what, what we've uh, One that came out today and we were just listening to before we started recording. I bought the vinyl today. It's the first time I've gone out on release day and bought an album for a while. It is Fleet Fox's Crack Up, their long-awaited third album, um, which I have been waiting for for so long because I know a lot of people weren't so keen on the curveball of Helplessness Blues kind of ditching all the choruses and um, adding a lot more instrumentation and making it a lot more impenetrable in many ways. But the like with any good album, the more you listen to it, the more both helpless, helplessness, helplessness, blues, and uh, crack up. Um, the more you listen to it, the more you find in it. And especially, I've listened to it so many times, and then listening to it again today on vinyl, there's still things in it that I hadn't noticed before. So many details, um, so many, so much lush instrumentation that's just so well produced that you don't even realize it's there imbuing the song until you've you know tried to sit down and listen and concentrate and take in everything and lyrically obviously 
Robin Pecknold has been and graduated from Columbia. Everyone's talking about this as part of the narrative, but I think it is quite interesting. Um, and the lyrics themselves are quite oblique, but you can read what you want into them. And a lot of them are a bit self-critical, um, which is quite a different sound for them. Obviously, their previous albums were full of joy and life and kind of their name and their cover arts and some of their songs gave them a kind of uh, almost inextricable link with the wilderness and pastoral countrysides and farming and whatever. <laughs> uh, but this one is more of a, a, a world-weary, uh, self-aware album, and it's really rewarding listening. It was a And I can definitely get on board with that as well. Um, as I, 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 you've basically summed up all my thoughts on it, so I don't want to like reiterate what you say. But I will say, um, I, I put out there on um on Twitter, which I actually got some support for and some criticism, which I was quite happy with because I'm not a very interesting person. So it was uh, the, 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 the like um the idea that Crack Up is the album pure comedy thinks it is. Now, um, for the, those people who, who who don't know, Father John Misty, aka Josh Tillman, um, used to be the drummer of Fleet yeah, Foxes. Yeah, touring drummer. Um, and I, I think he recorded and, with them. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, um, and then so he's gone solo since then, and his most recent album, Pure Comedy, is this 18 minute, like um, very well produced, very clever, uh, grandiose, like thick text about the state of the world, the state of politics um culture just all the all like society in general the way we intersect and but it's also so clearly designed for people like me <laughs> so like sort of wannabe intellectual music fans who scoff at you know like people who don't listen to who, who don't listen to six music or read pitchfork every day um and it's i and i just so it's self-aware but that doesn't necessarily mean i guess maybe we can discuss pure comedy as an intersection of this sure. like a, a, a very a very clever segue if i don't say so, if i do say so myself but it's um, neither it's neither of our up there in our favorite albums of the year for any no, of us we've, we've both agreed no. that we're we're going down to the road later in the summer and we're going to see Ty Siegel instead of Father John Misty. Yeah, a, a, a unanimous decision. Um, what what it's just it's not for, from from my perspective is it's a great album and I respect it, but I dislike it from a ideological perspective and from a ethical perspective. Now that sounds incredibly pretentious and it probably is. But I just it, it doesn't really offer anything. There's so many albums of twenty seventeen that I've loved, including Sorority Noise and in its own abstract way, Jill and, and most of the albums I have loved have offered something like some form of solidarity, some form of like like coping or just having like, allowing a voice of empathy or even um, pertinence whereas this is just some bearded white guy very intelligently and very dryly listing off 
what he sees about the world and it's enjoyable and it's fun but I I haven't listened to it since the second time I listened to it well what do you think of pure comedy bloated is the word I would use his bloated ego and bloated album 75 76 minutes it could have easily been cut to under an hour um, I think the first six songs are really good uh, even though pure comedy is definitely very much a retread aboard in the USA Ooh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, um, I can get more with that. There's not, there's not a, a chateau lobby. I mean, comparing apples with apples, there's no chateau lobby number four. Like the closest is uh, "Real Total Life Forever," which is a good song. But then, yeah, the the back half just things just get get a bit turgid. I mean, "Growing Old on Magic Mountain" is seven minutes of, yeah, okay. Uh, I like the 13 <laughs> minute track in the middle what's it called Leaving LA I think that's a really good song yeah. and then after that yeah. the album kind of dies off um, he should have saved that for like a record store day special release 7 inch or something that his yeah. fans would have gone crazy for um, <laughs> pay, wouldn't pay, fit on pay, the 7 quid. Though, unless they put it on both sides um, but yeah he's an entertainer and he knows that and he obviously has taken in a lot of what's happened to him since I Love You Honey Bear was such a huge smash and he's now a, a festival headliner status kind of whereas his first album flew under the radar for a lot of people mm-hmm. and uh, but he's taken it on himself to be the arbiter of this is what's fucked up about the world I'm gonna I'm gonna explain it to everyone I'm gonna explain the joke to everyone um, and he does it well but it's also tiresome in listening to it 75 minutes in a row and i could listen to i love you honey bear which is what 45 50 minutes i could listen to that endlessly almost so yeah. it's a strange thing because i'm still a big fan of his but um uh, he needs to have more fun again i i, I think there's some moments of earnestness on it um but i would i would say like the best song that should be in pure comedy isn't there which is real uh, baby Real yeah, baby, what the hell? That's which kind is, of the blip now on his radar. Yeah, it's, and it's and it, I'd argue is his best song. Really, I don't know about that, but it would have been amongst the best if he had included it on um, pure comedy for sure. And it could have done with a more upbeat number than that. Not that it needed more time adding on, hmm. but it could have done with an upbeat number. They could have taken out Magic Mountain. Or... And you just a, re- a form of respite that was offering some form of sincerity or directness. Like I was just, I just feel like eighty minutes of sarcasm and like sardonic commentary. It's just it inevitably gets wearisome. Uh, you you need some like vision of hope, and I think, and, and I feel like I know that might be quite a lackluster criticism against it, but I, I feel like I, we listen to music for our own specific reasons, and I felt that pure comedy didn't really offer much of our vision beyond its very droll sort of one-liners longer the better longer the better cause there's no one old on magic mountain do you want to talk about another album you liked seg back to where we were um i think the next one I'd like to talk about, uh, I'm quite curious to know your thoughts on because I don't I don't know if we've discussed it that much. I think we, I I mentioned to you briefly once, but this is what and again one of my favorite albums of the year is Paramore's After Laughter. 
Um, I've written a piece about this in, in line with Harry Styles about how this this quite radical transfiguration of Paramore into an Afrobeat pop band that are all about feel good numbers compared to the third wave angsty you know co- comb over all to hell emo and it's just it just clicks so well and I think that's it's entirely down to Haley as a as a figurehead she's just so talented and the rest of the band are you know they're they're fantastic but like just her individually like she is such a monstrous prodigy that she can she she could do a do an album of just washing machine sound and i'd listen to it for an hour um it's just it's incredibly catchy it's incredibly bubbly but there's so many and there's one song on it that's again it's a bit of a anomaly there 26 that just i i cried the first time i listened to it and it's so saccharine and kitsch and it's that there's it's about it's about as subtle as getting whacked over the head with a cricket bat but it's it just works so well she just pulls it off without uh without a glitch uh what do you what do you think i can't honestly say i've listened to it that much i've maybe listened to it one and a half times uh but the amount of people different people who've come to me and said i like the album have you heard it has made me think i really need to spend more time with it um there, uh, there's so much good pop now. It wasn't what I was expecting. I wouldn't, wasn't. I still thought they'd be pop punk, emo-y, because that's what I remember them as from when they came out. Um, and I guess they threw me for a loop. I wasn't ready for. Maybe I need to readjust and re-listen. Because when I think about pop, what pop I want to hear, I think about Lord or Haim or Grimes or something like that. I never think. I wouldn't think of Paramore in that same bracket. But I guess they mm. put themselves in there now. But it's it's quite interesting. But they're not quite like Lord of Grimes because it's very there's there's almost no synths in there. It's not like synth pop. It's not like um very digital. It's more analog. There's a lot. It's it's a lot more. There's steel drums and there's there's like that kick like they've still used guitars and kick drums and stuff. It's not going into that that realm of like Robin Church's that that sort of the angsty like all computerized keyboard pop. It's a lot more natural, and it just it makes you realise how much sort of indebtedness emo has to that that world. I I mentioned Fleetwood Mac and Blondie as antecedents to that record, and I think it's very. I think there's a, there's a lot of those female-led rock bands from the seventies and eighties that have fed into it really really well, and even like more male-driven bands like The Cure that maybe are, you could argue are quite androgynous and. Not just in their figureheads, but in the subjects they tackle. It's not just very hyper masculine aspects to love and sex. It's 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 a lot more uh, normative, a lot more neutral. And yeah, I just I just love it so much. It's just the tackles. It's very feel good and hit, catchy as all hell. And it, yeah, I, I I love it. I think it's, I really touches the top of my favorite albums of the year. You said earlier you would listen to Haley making washing machine sounds. Does that would she be singing over that, or if she, even if she was just bashing washing machines, you would listen to it? I'm 100 percent confident she would make an incredibly melodic harmony from 60 minutes of washing machine sounds. All right, well, Haley, if you're listening, the gauntlet has been thrown down by your biggest fan, Kira Devlin. <laughs>
finish by talking. Uh, I'll finish on the albums by talking about one that we both love that we touched on a little bit before, and I'm talking about Kendrick Lamar's "Damn." I think that would be a very. Uh, well, you were the one who were you were kind of upset with yourself for not having it at the top. So this is your chance to redeem yourself in the eyes of Kendrick King Kenny. So well, as I guess there's so many narratives built around this album and so many points made. Um, not least that it's it's almost like a return to pure rap after the expansive. <laughs> sort of historical document that is to pump a butterfly that's just like it's just conventional wisdom now that that's one of the best rap albums if not one of the best albums ever made it's just like everyone agrees with it we've all moved on what is kendrick going to produce next um unfortunately what he produced after that was i guess first with maroon 5 oh. which was <laughs> it is it was not what i expected or necessarily wanted um but damn so he did the heart part for it and um for those who don't know the heart I don't think I don't think he's released a segment of it since 2011. I want to say, but it's like it's like an individual segment. Uh, it's not quite a single release. It's something he just drops that is uh, he uses to describe in sonic form where he views himself. It's very dire, it's very diarising of where he is in that specific context and that time. It's very, it's almost like a temporal window into where he positions himself both musically and personally. Um, and then from that he released Humble and then DNA and yeah, it just it just dropped on us and it was brilliant. And I think it's actually over time it's grown on me. Like I loved it at first, but it's really, really grown on me. And yeah, lyrically astonishing. Like the, the, the like the fluency he has with with wordplay and language and meaning within language. Um the the, the reason I'm such like a, a rap nerd principally is though it is because it is just it's cool poetry when at the end of the day it's just um yeah using calling calling people knobheads while also using sonnets and internal rhyming and like there's there's so many like studying english at university means i see all these things that people have just come up with nascently come up with naturally and it's absolutely mind-blowing and also really funny and and a like a very basic level and it's just fantastic and kendrick's the god of that he's not just the god of like not just the god of grand thematic um subscriptions but also just the, the way he just he can if he calls someone a prick then he just does it in the most brilliant manner he just like he just sweeps aside everyone else and his production i haven't even mentioned his production yet you know that you've got the bass drop in dna which just like f- brings the hounds down every time it just like it's like an earthquake the the, the that the, the the bounce of the beat and humble is i'd argue on a par with king kunta and backseat freestyle and then you've got is the xxx you've got and then his, his finale as well it's just it's just a brilliant album and i just i just i don't know if, how much of my my thing with jalen is that i want an album to be my favorite in a kendrick year that isn't the kendrick but uh, whether that is pathological, but well, uh, yeah, it's it's brilliant. What do you think? Yeah, um, I absolutely love it too, and I, it's grown on me. Although, like you said, immediately I was taken with it. Um, but there's been so many. He's kind of a victim of his own success amongst people I've talked to because um, because, as you said, to pimp a butterfly was such a a historical moment. Like I like to say that it's probably going to be one of the albums the way we look back on Marvin Gaye is what's going on now. Like people will look back onto Pimper Butterfly in the future and, and uh, 
talk about it as an important political album in uh, for that time and damn is obviously not as interwoven together uh, not as instrumentally uh virtuosic it's just 14 straight banging rap songs like and yeah. i love that too because it's not mindless yeah, exactly. banging rap songs it's it's full of um self-examination and uh self uh, self-pity and self-loathing and it, it a lot of people said it doesn't have an overarching kind of theme but there's lots of mini themes interwoven you just have to look at the track list and see things like pride and humble back to back and fear and yeah. god and uh lust and love and there's all these things running through it and even the features like rihanna and who's the other feature you uh, too. Interesting. But mostly he's standing up on his own and just like knocking them down, you know? Uh, we sh- uh, you mentioned the production. I think he's got a pretty amazing production team. Um, yeah. The Humble is made by Mike Will Made It. Uh, then, yeah, that was supposed to be a Gucci main beat, I heard. And you can definitely hear that. Uh, but the way Kendrick does it, it's just he's just makes everyone you can just imagine him singing that to any rapper and it's being justified you know and i want to mention feel which i think is my favorite track on the album Um, it's got such an interesting kind of gray palette with this weird warped sample and thundercat bass and then just uh kendrick going off about it's almost like an eternal monologue about I can imagine him walking down the street, ain't nobody praying for me. Uh, I feel like I've run out of options and all these kind of things. And it's just a really interesting album album in general. But that song just sounds like, and then a lot of the album just sounds like it's the storm brewing in his head that he's just got to get out onto these beats. And it's just a, a really strong and amazing album yet again from him. And, uh, when you said after to Pimp a Butterfly, he went, I thought you were going to say that he made it untitled unmastered, and then you completely threw me for a loop with that uh, Maroon 5 feature. I mean, I mean, yeah, there's there's that as well. <laughs> um, but I, you're like, I blocked the Maroon 5 thing from my memory. Uh, but, yeah, um, anything else to say about Dan? Yeah, I also, like, I think a perfect example of, you have, like, so you've got, he's a historian, He's a rapper, but he's also a storyteller, and I think the best example of that is the final track, Duckworth. Yeah, like there, there was, there was so much, like there was so much hysteria about this. Was this actually true? Was this like, because it was so immaculately told and so uplifting in its own way. And even though it belies the production, which was fairly sort of low key, and it just forefronted like Kendrick's voice and the story he was telling. Like he's just, he's just, he's like in every front, he's operating on a different planet to every other rapper and. I'd argue almost every other artist in music at the moment is just head and shoulders above them. Um, and uh, going back to your uh, Mike Bo Wade point, hot take, is Mike Bo Wade better than Timberland was in the noughties? Well, do you want to list some of others of Mike Will made its credits? I mean, he basically puts his stamp into every song he does, but uh, the songs he did for uh, Race from Erd last year were amazing. Um, what else has he done? He's done so much. He had his own album as well. Oh, he's, 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 he's much more of a producer than he is a sort of like a four figure. But uh, that's, that's that's something to think about. I'll probably go, uh, wake up tomorrow and just 
sort through every production credit he's ever been going and then uh, just like list them and maybe ping them over to uh, to Oliver to see whether he can be asked doing anything with it. Uh, Oliver, uh, our uh, beloved Overlord editor, of course. As a yeah, well, he is a, a Timberland disciple. Um, so, you know, maybe it's time to pass the baton. My left stroke just went viral. Right stroke, put little baby in a spiral. Soprano C, we'd like to keep it on the high. So yeah, and I think very briefly, I think it'd be quite cool to touch on albums we think we really like. We haven't quite touched our top albums, but uh, albums that we think haven't got a fair like uh, press, or albums that are underrated or underappreciated. Yeah. Okay. Do you have one in mind? Um, I've got uh, a few. So like, there's that Wild Pink self-titled. I really, really like as a as a, as really like really clever sort of folk rock the way it characterizes day-to-day living and anxieties and the joys of just living in the in the not the moment that's that's saccharine bullshit but as in just like the the, the simple things is what i mean just like just like uh, smiling at someone or but having a drink of a really really nice beer it's just the way it captures all these minor activities is quite beautiful and the harmonies are great and then I'd um, oh, do you have some? Do you, you want to add something? Say I like that album a lot too. It reminds me of classic kind of two thousands indie. Built to spill. I mean, built to spill were around it before mm, that. Yeah. But it has elements of that kind of era, uh, which I really like. Yeah, it's a good album. Mm. And um, I just um, there's a there's a few like um sort of span uh, and there's a there's been a pattern with albums that I've really really liked this year in terms of they've dealt with internal concerns of compassion and thoughtfulness and empathy um i guess one that's really jumped out with me is that we all want the same things which has been that craig filming album which is possibly released features my favorite song of the year god in chicago which if you've not listened to it stop this podcast now and listen to it because it will blow your mind um yeah, just, just it's for people who liked the hold steady and maybe didn't get so much into Craig Finn's solo stuff, kind of like me. I almost didn't check out the new Craig Finn album, but I'm so glad I did, especially because of God in Chicago, which is like him at his storytelling best and just so poignant. Uh, mm. It's really, really good story and song. Yeah, and I, I just um, briefly also looked at, through his shout out, um, so sh- shouts out to. Um, Tall Ships Impressions, which I absolutely adored. I gave it an 8 on the 4 or 5, but personally, I felt like it was an objective 8, a subjective 9, 9.5, because they've always had like a really special place to me since I saw them at 2000 Trees in 2014, I believe. They were, like, they are just, the way they combine really elaborate, almost math rock riffs and chords with really pertinent, meaningful lyrics, and the emotiveness of the Oh, it's just it's, it's gorgeous, and then um, just like as the sort of the one of the emo correspondents for uh, the four or five, I like to mention um, Ozo Ozo the Unihon mixtape, which is the, a combination of like naughty's nostalgia, third wave, really sentimental, perfectly executed pop punk. Like is this, if you could like distill what pop you imagine pop punk to be into an album, it's the Unihon mixtape, as well as the Manson Family by Heart Attack Man. In my view, the most underappreciated album of the year so far. It's just great. It's, it's similar to the Yonahan mixtape, just very fun with some very angst, angsty elements in there. But just the, the riffs are great. They, they cut like real chant along choruses. It's just tremendous entertainment. And then there's some others like um, Cloud Nothing's Men Singers, 
uh, what, what else have we got this in these very uh, poorly executed notes um, oh, White Reaper The Smith Street Band Swordfish Pet Cemetery. it's been it's been a really really good year for pop punk and emo so far I'm sure they, my uh, compatriots of the, the alternative will agree um, uh, I, what I will say it's not been great for rap so far but hopefully looking at whether the imminent release of Vince Staples and then a few other acts coming in later this year that should change Um, what about you? What what sort of um low sort of lowly appreciated albums are jumping out uh, at you? I like the Richard Dawson album Peasant. Have you heard that? I've given it a cursory listen. Yeah, that Come was really interesting. Domino and Weird World. Uh, it's from Newcastle. It's one of those that I never heard of until it just landed in my inbox from Domino, and I thought I'd check it out, and I was just blown away. It's like a very rustic, rugged folk music full of like he his his story he tells stories in the st- songs that are supposed to take place in medieval britain uh the song titles have things like uh, soldier and uh they're all they're all um professions from that kind of age i'm gonna find it oh, soldier and peasant peasant isn't a profession but you know you get the idea and it's kind of telling <laughs> telling stories about and they can be quite grueling or grisly, and uh, the emotion that he gets in his voice is just—it's like a, uh, I want to compare it to um, a field in England. Have you seen that? Yeah, it's, yeah, that, oh, that brilliant yeah, film. A similar kind of vibe of just carnage, but also beautiful in its own way. And I'm excited to see him this week. Uh, beyond that. What else? Um, planning for burials below the house. Uh, I reviewed that for the four or five. It's just um, a guy. I can't remember his name now. Uh, and he lives in um, mountainous Pennsylvania, and he's made this kind of introspective, gloomy metal core, slow core album. That's really good. I would recommend that. Um, Sneaks. It's a myth. Uh, which is a Washington DC band mostly spearheaded by uh, this woman I'm so bad with the actual names but anyway Sneaks second album It's a Myth out on Merge it's like really stripped down post-punk in the style of maybe beat happening but with a bit more pep Uh, some of the songs are actually quite dancey and she uses kind of synthesizer uh, loops that almost give it like a, a kind of electronic feel but it's very much rooted in this kind of sweaty low-key uh, basement uh, post-punk sound uh, she plays bass and just adds stuff on top uh, Lowly's album Heather Danish band came out on Bella Union but Bella Union puts out loads of stuff including like Fleet Foxes and Beach House and things like that so they're quite a big label but they also have a lot of acts that go by unheralded and I think Lowly deserves a mention uh, for their kind of glistening synth pop gems and we're going to see them end of the road I think oh, yeah, they're opening yeah. the stage on the main stage one of those days 
And yeah, that'll do. Those are all worth checking out. Oh, six organs of admittance burning the thresholds. Um, the guy has put out so much music, but I think this one is really epic folk at its best. Kind of similar to Richard Dawson, but not as not as wrought, if that's the right word. Yeah. Divine, 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 One thing I'd like to just jump back onto that came out today that we've not touched on and I'd argue is in... I've listened to it four times today. I'd not heard it before. Let me guess. Lord. Cor- correct. Melodrama. I was going to yeah. do a joke, but I couldn't think of any joke albums that came out today. Yeah. It's been, it's been a good release day. Yeah. I, really, I can't really complain. Uh, so, Lord, tell us. Well... I was very sceptical when Greenlight came out, because I think it was Greenlight Wait, was a were single... were you a fan of her debut? Yes, I was okay, a huge so fan. Yeah, I was not... I kind of glossed over her debut. I wasn't a fan or a non-fan. I remember my cousins in New Zealand sent me the CD to Korea. I was in, living in South Korea at the time, and then my girlfriend at the time threw it out the window. <laughs> but I kind of encouraged her. I couldn't be bothered to listen to it either. I just thought she was... I don't know, I just wasn't that intrigued to find out more. Anyway, uh, but then when this album started coming around, I was interested. And Greenlight did catch my attention, but what were you saying about it? Well, it was just, I think it was released the same day as Lana Doré's debut single from her upcoming album. And it was like, I mean, the world's up turning upside down, like, politically and all that, blah, 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 blah. Don't want to delve in that too too um, too directly, but we already uh, picked up Corbin a lot at the yeah, top. Yeah. That was big a long time up. ago. Now, if anyone's re- still re- listening, re- well done. Yeah, re, re- big up Corbin. Um, but the, the like, like really liking a Lana Del Rey single over a Lord single was the world inverting itself a step too far in my mind. Um, but as uh, since Green and Greenlight's grown on me anyway, especially in the context of the album itself as like. A breakup slash house party concept album. I mean, how how the audacity of like a t- of a twenty year old and a for a second album making a concept album is just brilliant. And like, it, she pulls it off like without a hitch. It just it's just brilliant. It just cl- clicks so seamlessly, and every song bangs so hard. I mean, like I, it's just it's just fantastic. I mean, Supercut. I'd I'd argue is my is my song of the summer. It's it's luminescent and how it's so full of joy for life and and love and and like happiness and exuberant to go out get drunk take pills get like absolutely just love life but it's it's also tinged with so much sadness about what's past as like how does a song sound so happy and yet so sad at the sound ta- same time it's brilliant and then you know the, the the singles perfect places the the intimacy of lullaby the the almost like very sort of light poppy house of green lights piano line and just everything that it just is a genuinely brilliant album like a near masterpiece in my mind i i i adore it like i think it's the it's 2017's first truly great pop album she's she was already conquering the world and now she's i mean she's got the pitchfork 
fans and the the mainstream on her side now. She's uh, kind of unstoppable, and she's not even twenty yet or whatever. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, it's quite. It's it's a really good <laughs> album. I mean, I I was still skeptical after the first one, but even though I liked Greenlight and yeah, just. I, I love this album. It's so much fun. And as you said, it's a concept album about a breakup and a house party. And you really feel both of those feelings. You get the downer and the upper totally. Um, not just in, there's the one song in the middle where it literally is um, two halves of a song, hard feelings and loveless. And yeah. are, but that kind of um, uh, distills the idea of the whole album into that one double song in one track. But the whole album has that, like topsy-turvy feeling and the thing i love the most about it is how funny it is it's actually a really yeah. funny album yeah, she's yeah, so yeah. self-aware yeah. but she's also written some really funny lines in it um i could i think writer in the dark is gonna really polarize people because <laughs> um, she's obviously quite self-aware basically the whole lyric is bet you ru- rude the day you kissed a writer in the dark uh <laughs> but you can tell she's like smirking off the other side of her face as she's recording that um, and I think like lots of really young and impressionable people who listen to it will actually be like, oh, being a writer is actually cool. And being a writer doesn't necessarily mean writing books or writing in newspapers. Being a writer mm. can be anything. So I think in that way, I mean, she's going to reach so many people with this album. Uh, it's going to be formative for a generation. I mean, it came out today and we're already like saying these kinds of things, but it really... It feels like Lord is going to rule the world. Um, but at least she seems nice. So she'll be a nice overlord from New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah, she seems, she seems lovely. Have you seen, like, she's, uh, she, she's been running an Instagram account of, uh, like, absolutely slating separate joints on onion rings, which is quite, quite amazing. <laughs> really? Why? Oh, obviously, she, she feels really quite passionately about onion rings. So that's well, she's <laughs> out on tour. Bro, I, I, I assume just so. Just around New Zealand looking for onion rings to review. It's, it's probably it's probably the entire like facility of her being doing pop music is just so she can afford the uh, the ability to tour everywhere and just eat onion rings. The only shame about Lord is that she's so popular now; it'll never be easy, possible to see her in a good concert because any the concert's going to yeah. be humongous and it's going to be full of screaming fans. It's like I want to see her at a. 2000 person venue with people who are going to respect her production and listen to the whole thing and not scream at it but I don't think that's ever going to happen uh, yeah that would that would be interesting even even somewhere like the picture house in London like that would be an interesting venue it'd be obviously that's what like 5000 people which one? Or so? the picture, picture house, house. <laughs> you mean Brixton Academy no yeah I'm, roundhouse I'm, I'm good roundhouse, roundhouse is like 3000 yeah, 3, yeah. I think is it okay um well, I th- uh, yeah, I think somewhere in there would be like quite interesting in terms of condensing that. Yeah, Radiohead did it yeah. with a plum. Yeah, not yeah, that exactly. either of us got to go. It sold, sold, sold out in like <laughs> less than a second. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll never see Lord. Uh, um, I mean, even seeing her indoors <laughs> at all seems like yeah. wishful thinking anymore. Like she's going to be playing to twenty thousand easily in every country she goes to. Um, but you know more power to her i just i just hope she seems down to earth right now she's definitely self-aware i just hope she can stay that way it's gonna be a fucking crazy ride for her i'm sure we'll discuss her on future podcasts as things unravel and she inevitably announces a 18-month world tour yeah i mean i hope she doesn't break her 
this could be the last Lord album release day for like 10 years or something. Yeah, that's true. That's true. She could, who knows? Broadcast the boom, 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 and make them all dance to it. But let's move on to sort of albums that didn't quite live up to the hype. Quite briefly, but I want to stay positive. So Nev, just like very briefly mention albums that, that sort of let you down to an extent. Um, Japan Droids. Yep, I absolutely co-sign on that. But it's still good, and especially live, the songs are really great, but it's mm, just yeah. the age and the amount of bands that have come along in the interim between mm. this one and post uh, a Celebration Rock that are doing similar kinds of euphoric rock well, there's not that many who do it like Japan Droids, but they couldn't even do it like themselves enough this time. I mean, maybe it's unfair to want them to do the same thing again, but, you know, when they have such a winning formula already, you want them to kind of stick to it. Yeah, I, I like. I, they definitely tried to do something new, and I don't know whether they had the melodic chops to do it. They do what they do better than almost anyone else. Like, How's That Heaven Built is one of my favourite songs of all time. Celebration Rock is one of my favourite albums of all time. And it's it's just peerless uh, in, that, in what it does. But, yeah, there's just... Oh, they're, 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 it's like stuff like Arc of Bar, like seven, eight minutes, and it's it's fine, but it you know, there's no the, not the sense of exhilaration that purrs through their work. It's not the sense of urgency and reckless, like, completely trivial abandon, which is what I, like, I love about them, is that they're... They're, they are so two-dimensional. There's no subtlety there. There's no, like, greater meaning. They're just, p- like, pure distilled fun and in and, and their own capacity. And I just feel that there's a sense that's been domesticized in a, to a certain way. Um, an album that I found quite disappointing. I'm not sure what you, how you felt about it. But the new, the new Mac DeMarco, I got over instantly. Like, I, I listened to it and it was absolutely serviceable, but then I... I haven't returned to it, and I just have no intention to. I am a big fan of it, actually. Um, it's I definitely understand that, and I think I went through that phase too, but uh, then I went back to it. And um, it's definitely a, a very lethargic album for him, relatively. Uh, it's very laid back, but I think it's just... It's so hard to put a finger on what's so nice about it, but they're the kinds of songs that he they sound almost like he's just kind of scribbled them down and, and recorded them in his room on his acoustic guitar. But there's some real wisdom and there's a, a breeziness to them that you don't get by just tossing off a song. There's, he's put work into the production and and um, maybe it's not as good as Salad Days and not definitely not as diverse. Um, but there's some really amazing, just really enjoyable songs on there. I, they kind of... When I listen to them, they kind of sweep me away. I mean, uh, are there no songs on there that do it for you? What about One More Love Song, This Old Dog, the, 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 the old My dog, Old Man? I, yeah, like, like the singles I'm, I'm fine with, but I just felt like that it's just so like, it's all like, so obviously so much of his appeal that I come, he comes across as lethargic the entire yeah. time. So much of it is that he's just like, the songs are just naturally coming out on the without level? any thought or... 
I've thought I've not listened to on the level in quite a bit. Trains but I just, from yesterday. I, don't know, I, I think it's a really I just, good. I album. just feel I just feel it's like Mike DeMarco, but turned down to first gear. Where it's just like the hooks are fine, the lyrics are fine, and I can listen. I can listen to it in the background if I'm like working or writing or whatever. But like I I just it's it just nothing about it just sort of stands out to me. Fair enough. Well, we'll have to see at the end of the road. It'll be interesting to see how yeah, these yeah, songs yeah. come out live. Yeah. And to see what he does next. He's been quite prolific generally. I wonder mm. if he'll have another you know, another EP or another album not so long from now, but that could be make or break with him for a lot of people like you who are on mm. the fence about this one. I know there's quite a few out there. Mm. There's he's quite like a Father John Misty sort of stuff. Yeah, but at least he seems humble on this. Yeah. Which is yeah. one of the he's, things he's, I he's, like about it. Even yeah, though live he's, he's obviously a massive piss artist. On this album he really yeah. shows another side of himself as like a thoughtful, you know, you know, nice guy. Yeah, that's that's, that's I mean, true. Maybe nice isn't what people look for in music, but the the <laughs> niceness definitely resounds <laughs> from uh this old dog. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a completely fair point. It does it, it, it tonally is something I can get on board with. Um have you got anything, any other sort of albums that jump out at you that you that love let you down? The only one that springs to mind isn't actually out yet, which is I mentioned to you before, is the upcoming Shabazz Palaces two albums, which I haven't listened to enough because, as is the case with anything that's disappointing, you don't spend that much time with it. But whereas the Black Up was such an interesting combination of um, chopped up beats and techno, almost production and uh, lyrics that told stories and made amazing metaphors this one just seems like nonsensical the rhythms just don't sink in with me um and it just it's entirely forgettable is what i found but um maybe i need to spend some more time with them but two albums on one day is always why not just make it a double album i don't understand but then again bright eyes did it in 2005 and both of those albums were amazing and wouldn't have made sense as a double album completely unrelated to shabazz palaces but it sprang to mind love will scar the heart sun will burn the skin just the way it is and way it's always been and this So albums that are still to come out or might or may not come out that are like heavily implied. What what the rest of twenty seventeen, what are you looking forward to? Shall we start with ones that are definitely coming out? Yeah, go on then. Um oh you caught me off guard. Uh Zola Jesus should be good. Chelsea oh, yeah. Wolf. Yep. Um there's definitely more The Clientele just announced a new album. Yeah. I'm excited yeah, about Yeah, that's into it. First in what, six that's years? Six or seven, yeah. Um Oh, there's definitely more that I can't think of. Well, what about National Orchid Fire LCD Sound System? Yeah, okay. <laughs> is it 2007? Grizzly, no. Grizzly Bear <laughs> so as well. Yeah, the War on Drugs. It is, it is literally 2007. They've all turned to major labels, though, which is... No, I don't know why mm. that bothers me. I mean, fair enough if they can make the money, if it's going to be good what, for everyone. What, what, what do you make of the uh, the singles released from those three major... Like the, the kings of... So India, everything now is a good song not a mm. great song but very infectious and what was the one they put out today did you hear it uh, i've not heard uh, it, it yeah, sounded actually, pretty um, awkward to me and the one listen i had 
Um, Grizzly Bears songs, they were kind of forgettable as well. Three mm. Rings, and they put out another one, which I can't even remember. Uh, the War on Drugs songs have been good. The yeah. the Thinking yeah, of a yeah, Place yeah. and the, the other one, which I can't remember. Who else did you mention? Uh, the National, National uh, the, 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 was it The System Only Dreams in Total Darkness, which is a better title than it is a song, I think. I like the song. It's a fine song. What do you think? What do you think about all this? I I I really like the national. So I'm a bit of a national fanboy. So I was like predetermined to like the song, but it does help that it's very different from anything they've done since arguably Alligator. So it's possibly the most radical change in twelve years, and like melodically, it still holds up. It's still very interesting. It's got proper electric. This almost like almost chillingly unexpected electric guitar that surges through it um on the top of that um obviously lcd sound system that 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 dual dual oh, single yeah. which Amazing. i think you you made an interesting point because you got call the police and american dream yeah and you 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 said that they both sort of typify the separate poles of what make lc down system yeah brilliant. exactly on call the police side you've got that frenetic building to the conclusion like the wheels are coming off the uh great like uh james murphy just screaming his head off about something or other kind of amazingness and then on the other side with uh, american dream you've got the slow uh, uh, uh pensive um and humorous self-deprecating kind of side that they also do so well so, I mean, it's great to hear that they still are as good as they ever were. Yeah. Absolutely. I th- I think, it's relatively, LCD's sound system are probably my most anticipate- anticipated, though the National does give me hope. Yeah, well, until we get an official release date for LCD sound system, I'm not anticipating it. But as soon as we do, that's that's going to be up there. One, one album that, well, I'm... Well, there's a there's a few albums that are coming out. There's a few so maybe more idiosyncratic emo ones like Rap Boys and Roswell Quint that I'm really excited about. Um, a few others. Uh, if you if you have any thoughts on them, we've got Broken Social Scene, Alves, Torres. Torres, I'm excited for a lot, especially with her signing to 4AD. Broken Social Scene, I've heard and it's amazing. I've listened to it. Oh, <laughs> I've listened I'm to glad, it. Glad loads. to be vindicated. Uh, yeah, it's really really good. Um, what else did you mention? Uh, we got Alves. Is that how you pronounce it? Alves? How do you? Pr- I never know how you pronounce how do you spell it. A L double V. Oh, always. It's just always. I'm pretty sure. It's yeah. always. Yeah, the always album is going to be really good. I haven't heard the single. Is it good? Uh, the single is yeah. fantastic. It's really, really good. Yeah, I'm looking to that. Forward to that. What one one thing that's really significant for me uh, album that can't wait. Um, I saw her last week. Well, we both saw her last week in uh, Bush Hall. And she's been one of my favorite. Like, I genuinely think she's the at, at twenty one. She's the most talented, like singer songwriter of our generation. Is Julian Baker? She just signed to Matador at the start of this year. Obviously, a very seminal outfit. Um, like her, her debut, Spring Nanko. If you've not listened to, it, is one of the best sort of folk rock. Some, there's, it's, it's difficult to define because like a lot of the themes and a lot she talks about are like traditionally emo. It's very dark, very dense. Yeah, it's, I wouldn't call it folk at all, even though it is just guitar and voice. It's not acoustic guitar. It's it's electric, mm, that's very clean electric guitar. It's, yeah, yeah, it's rock. It's it's difficult to define. It's like confessional. Yeah, it's it's just mind blowing, and seeing her live especially, it's just 
it's like, I, like I've never seen, I've never been to a gig where an audience has been as held captive by an artist as that. Everyone, no one looked at the phone the entire duration. Everyone was just transfixed on what she was saying and what she was singing. It was stunning. Um, and do you have any to Bush Holt for making it as clean and as clear as it is on the record because that's ah, so yeah, important definitely. to her sound, not just the lyrics, which I mean, you want to listen to everything, every single word she says because it's all so perfectly. Uh, written and and um, the way she sings it really brings out the emotion, but also the guitar, which is quite s- slight, but the way it adds atmosphere and melody to what she's singing about, it's really subtle and quite magical. And she played a lot of new songs and said that her yeah. new album is coming out in October. So yeah, that's definitely up there. In yeah, the apparently, apparently it's not been fully recorded yet. Is it so not? <laughs> no, no, it's what. Um, Jesus, I, I cannot wait. If, if anything's going to be my my favorite album of the year, it's going to be that. Like she, I worship ever everything about her music. Um, and it is the actually, I I don't know about you, but I could do it with another Churches album this year. Come on, come on, Lauren. Ch- like, Churches drop, drop is it. not one that's ever really. I've never. Okay, but you're well, a, a Scot, so <laughs> you've got to. We're going to move swiftly on from that before we get a bit aggy. We'll um, talk about them when they do bring out an album. I guess it's, it's time to finish. Actually, bringing back to Arcade Fire, like I was, I've been quite indifferent to what the releases so far. I wasn't big on Reflector, and when we mentioned we were going to do a retrospective, um, to uh, before as one of the sections on the regular podcast, uh, about a revising opinion of a band or, or a sound, a music genre or a album, and I thought it'd be interesting because it's the tenth anniversary coming up. And with Arcade Fire having their big resurgence, and because they're such a contentious band now, tenth anniversary of Neon Bible, second album, yeah, which makes me feel old because I remember that quite clearly when that came out. But yeah, we're going to talk about that now or next time. Uh, Next time, so like, uh, I have get ready to re-listen to it quite a lot and a lot of uh, secondary reading because I wanted to go properly. We're going to dive in deep. Okay, I'm excited. I think it's going to be not that great preparation for their new album <laughs> in a way no no we we'll probably have to go into reflect on and probably read a, i don't know read reddit or something <laughs> considering the, 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 the standard of lyrics we've been exposed to so far wow, wow. now who's harsh yeah there yeah that's, that's well uh, laura snapes is quite good on uh, good on arcade fair if you've not read any of her stuff on them but maybe maybe i'm just tainted um but yeah have, have you anything anything else to add rob or should we uh wrap up on the first the first ever four or five music podcast no that's great and uh it's been a pleasure and i look forward to talking about arcade fire and um how over over empress lord has been treating us next time we do this absolutely i'm sure we'll we'll start we could start a lord segment well uh, thank thanks for listening if you are still listening it's been uh it's been uh i'm, I'm sure we put you through all uh, sorts of hell plug your twitter this is what people do at the end of podcasts is they plug yeah yeah that's, stuff. that's 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 we, we, we do that don't they that's that's things people do okay well um uh, i'm no not that devlin on uh as an n-o-n-o-t 
that Devlin, D-E-V-L-I-N, if you want to be exposed to music ramblings and politics is, ramblings. Is that because uh, there's another Devlin? There, there is the rapper right, Devlin. Right, but I heard of you first. So to me, you, you oh, are wow. that Devlin, whereas he's, wow, he's, he's not that Devlin. Well, I think we're going into some sort of Schrodinger's <laughs> cat territory here. Um, but yeah, uh, Rob, what about you? This is uh, uh, my Twitter is at temporaryism, so it's temporary, like the word and ism. And um, I'm not going to admit where that, what song that comes from, because it's embarrassing. But if if anyone can tweet me and tell me where it comes from, you get some 405 swag that may or may not exist. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, completely epistemological swag is the best kind of swag, um, and obviously the four or five at the four or five we have to we have to plug our our a good our overlords. yeah Facebook Twitter, you know where to find it and Instagram as well but we're we're, we're everywhere, um yeah thank thanks for listening and uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it enough to subscribe and uh, listen again once we once we get uh, up on various services and. Uh, yeah, uh, enjoy, listen to some good music and let us know if you've got any recommendations yourselves. Always lo- happy to listen to we good music. We should set up a podcast email. Podca- podcast Ooh. at the 405.com. It doesn't exist yet, so it might bounce back. <laughs> but we're yeah. going to get that set but up. It might not. That's part <laughs> of their thrill. So, um, yeah, thanks for your time and enjoy. Bye.